Good morning again. I will be reading this morning's word, and you can follow along in your Bible, or you can also check out the screens. Um, we'll be reading Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord. Hey, what's going on? My name is Jordan. I am one of the pastors here. Uh, if you are old enough to remember September 11, 2001, uh, it happens to be one of those days that no matter what you were doing, I, I bet you you can remember the day, what you were doing at that moment. I was in college at Morgan State. Um, shout out to the Bears. And um, I remember doing what every college kid was probably doing at that time. I was asleep, right, when the first when the first uh, plane hit. And I, I remember my mother calling me to say, hey, your uncle is okay. And I was like, all right, congratulations, he's doing all right. And then she says, oh, you're not watching TV, what's going on? So uh, I turned on the TV and I remember looking and we saw the second plane hit the, the tower and just the horror that we felt. Unfortunately uh, for my family, we were okay. My uncle who worked right there, he, he escaped alive. Uh, but there were thousands and thousands of other people um, in New York, in Pennsylvania, where the plane went down, and, and in D.C. as well, that September 11th was the day that altered their life. 
So almost in a way that we look at our years now, BC and AD, uh, for a lot of people, September 11th is that defining moment where before that and after that, everything is a very bright line. When did this happen? Was it before or after uh, the plane to the tower? So uh, before we get into today uh, with anything we're talking about with our series, I wanted to just uh, have a moment of prayer um, for the families and, and everyone for the city. Uh, and not just that, but for people right now, like there's children in Syria, where for them it's September 11th every month, right? That's the only thing they know is war and bombs. So do me a favor, please, would you join me in a, in a word of prayer? Uh, Heavenly Father, um, I realize just how little words mean at times when we think back to the, just the horrors of September 11th and how, how greatly it shook this city. Uh, Father, we pray for those families who are today are reliving that feeling fresh again. Um, those who are um, mourning the loss of parents and siblings and brothers and sisters and wives and husbands, co-workers and friends. So, Father, we just pray for peace today for those families and those loved ones as they are mourning um, their loved ones. And, God, we also pray for uh, this world. Um, there were so many things are happening like this, even maybe even as, uh, as we're speaking and sitting here. God, let us not become uh, numb to the pain and the suffering in the world and help us to be instruments of peace and change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, so we are in our series called Stories You Need to Know, and today is one of my favorites. It's about a dude named Ezekiel. And Ezekiel's story is so uh, powerful to me because it's about something happening where you'd least expect it. Now, I don't know this for certain. I don't have statistics, but I'd be willing to bet that 99% of the craziest things that have happened in the city happen at 2 a.m. on the D train. Don't go searching the NYPD database. I'm not sure if, the, I, can, if I can back that up with science, but uh, a couple months ago, I was, uh, a while ago, I was with my wife, and we were taking a D train home, and, you know, an argument broke out on the train, and this lady started yelling at this dude, get off the train, and this train is not going anywhere until you get off. And she used a little bit more colorful language than I'm allowed to use on the pulpit. So the guy gets off the train. That's not the weird part. Arguments happen. About four stops later, this guy gets up with handcuffs and like a Pokemon t-shirt. He says, ma'am, where is he? We were looking like, first of all, this dude got off like 40 blocks ago. Second of all, and a much better question is, why do you have handcuffs? <laughs> he wasn't a cop. He was like some kid playing Pokemon Go that stumbled onto the train. And now this dude wants to make a citizen's arrest. Now, what stuck out to me about that story is that's not the way your normal night goes. Like, yeah, dinner was good, it was a little overpriced. We got home, this kid with a Dragon Ball Z t-shirt gets up and tries to make a citizen's arrest. Like, that's not the normal arc of the conversation about how your Thursday night was. Now, looking in the scripture in Ezekiel, even though it's not nearly as bizarre as what happened that night in the D-train, uh, we do see something happening uh, that's memorable, mainly because something was taking place in a, in a situation where you would least expect it. Now, let me catch you guys up a little bit in what's going on in Ezekiel. Um, uh, the children of Israel were in exile, and basically, uh, they felt like they had no hope. So they had um, their life and their, their government, their system of religion. Everything was destroyed by these dudes by the, called the Babylonians. And the children of Israel really didn't have their own anything anymore. All of their life was rubble, and they were carried off into exile. And God gives Ezekiel, this prophet, a vision 
of what's happening in his current situation. And he takes him out to the Valley of Bones, of Dry Bones. And then the unexpected happens. Out of nowhere, these dry bones start to rattle and uh, tendons start to attach to the bones and muscles go on top of the tendons and you know, the knee bone connects to the thigh bone, right? And the bones start to come together, flesh comes on top, and finally, the breath of life breathes into these people. And what was just recently uh, this desolate place of dry bones is now an army, as the Bible says, and they're standing. Now, here's where we're going today. If you are, you know, if you just worked an all-nighter last night and you're about to take a nap, just stay awake for this part right here, and you can go snooze right after I say this. This is where we're going. God specializes... God's specialty is bringing life where we would least expect it. That God specializes, this is what we see from the story of Ezekiel. God specializes in bringing life where we would least uh, expect it. All throughout scripture, we see this actually uh, from the father of our faith, a guy named Abraham. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, were married for years and for years and years and years. They tried to have a kid and they could never actually conceive and then one day, God comes to Abraham and Sarah and says, listen, you're going to have a kid. And Sarah, for her, it was so ridiculous. It was so preposterous that she looked at um, her husband and she laughed. Like, who does God, me have a kid at this age? Well, with man, things like that don't happen. But God specializes in bringing life where we would least expect it. Last week, uh, Lester spoke about Joseph. And the life of Joseph, you see, is this crazy roller coaster of all these things happening. And uh, he read a scripture at the end of it in uh, Genesis 50 and 20. He says, Joseph is talking after Joseph was sold into slavery, after Joseph was wrongly put in prison. Uh, finally, Joseph says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many, many lives. See, God specializes in bringing life where we would least expect it. Now, Ezekiel, this story is so good and so memorable because it's about life where we would least um, expect it, a boneyard. Um, and the craziest thing about this story, one of the craziest things is that the reason that they were in this boneyard, the reason that um, they were in the situation of exile was a result of their own choices. Now, the children of Israel, the Jews, they were God's people, and God gave them certain commands. Like the first one, rule numero uno, if you can't remember anything else, listen, don't worship other gods, right? We can get to the dietary stuff later, but listen, don't worship any other gods. And uh, leader after leader was unfaithful to God, and the entire people of Israel, they were unfaithful to God. And as a result of their own choices, they ended up in desolation. And here's what we see in scripture. It's not the most popular topic that we love to talk about is that our decisions and our actions will take us somewhere. And when we decide, uh, when, we, when our actions uh, are, are not in line with what God wants us to do, the end result is, is death, scripture says. They got there in, um, let's look at the picture in, um, in verse one. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. I saw a, a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now, scripture gives a picture here of bones that weren't just kind of dry or somebody that just recently died, like on Tuesday. It says that this, these bones were very dry, meaning that there was no um, these bones had been picked over, over and over and over again, and there was no sign of life anywhere in their vicinity. 
And this was happening, and the result of their choices was that they, um, basically, here's what it's telling us in scripture, you can't plant tomatoes and expect watermelons, right? And God is telling his people, the reason you are here is because you made these decisions. James 1 says it like this, um, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The children of Israel were where they were because they made decisions. They had desires in their, in, their, in their minds that took over their hearts. And when those desires start, turned into actions, the result was that they were in a boneyard. Now, the decisions that you and I make will always take us somewhere. And whenever we make decisions that take us away from God, the end result is death and decay. Now, I'll say it like this. Any parent worth their weight in salt will correct your, chi your kid from lying. Like if, you're, if your son or daughter is a liar, you'd want to correct them from that because you want to know why? A lifestyle of lying will kill relationships. It will kill your employment opportunities. It will kill um, everything that is going well in, in your life. Sin, us missing the mark of what God wants us to do, will always lead us, not in a good place. It will lead us away from God. Now, here's one of the most beautiful truths in Scripture, um, that regardless of why the children of Israel ended up there, uh, this is something that we can't, we can't over-exaggerate this uh, enough. The way back for the children of Israel wasn't them getting it right on their own. Rather, it was God that make, made the first step. Now, even though it was them and their actions that got them there, uh, the one that made the first step to put them back together was God. Now, we expect, this is why it doesn't make sense, because we expect to have to clean up our own mess, right? If I go to your house and you're eating breakfast and I smack your bowl of Cheerios, on, on the ground and there's like water and uh, milk and Cheerios all over the ground, right? I couldn't just walk out the house like, all right, see you later. You're like, yo, that Ikea bowl was $6.99. I need that back. And you need to clean up what you messed up. Like that's a rule in our society. You have to clean up what you messed up. But here's what's so dope about God. God takes the first step towards us. Uh, verse four, it says, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I want you guys, if you have a paper Bible, uh, to, to underline this. And if you don't have a Bible, if you're just looking at this screen, um, text yourself this stuff for, for later. Verse 4 and 5, it says, I will make breath enter to you, then you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover it with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now check this out. In these three verses, it says it over and over again. This is the formula that you and I get wrong all the time. Here's what God is saying. I will do this. I will breathe life into you. Then you will have life. I will do this. Then this will happen. Now, so often I'll talk to somebody about church or God, and uh, you'll hear people say, well, I need to get things right first. I need to, uh, you know, I need to fix some stuff in my life. Then I I I'll come to God. But check this out. Scripture gives us a much different picture of who God is, that God is always the first one that takes the first step towards us, that the reason you feel guilty, the reason you feel an urge to get right with God is because God has already been working behind the scenes to want you, to give you that urge to do that in the first place. Uh, one of my favorite authors, a guy named A.W. Tozer, he wrote a book called The Pursuit of God, and here's a quote from The Pursuit of God that rocks me every single time I read it. He says, Christian theology teaches the doctrine of prevenient grace, that before a man can seek God, God must have first sought the man or the woman. We pursue God because and only because he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to the pursuit. 
Here's what we see in the scripture. God always takes the first step towards us. God always takes the first step towards you. And there is no mess that you have made in your life that God is waiting for you to fix on your own before you can get close to him. And here's why some of us, like myself, so, so often I feel anxious and nervous about my walk with God is because I have reversed the order. I have put the pressure on me to, de to develop uh, a hunger for God. That's why I love the song we just sang. God, set a fire down deep in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Listen, this is what we're asking when we're saying, God, I can't manufacture a desire for you on my own, so I need you to set this fire in my life. And over and over again in Scripture, it gives us a picture, not of a God, check this out, not of a God that wants you to go through an obstacle course before uh, you and God can have a relationship, but rather it's a God that comes down to you and takes the first step. As a, the story starts, it says that God led Ezekiel through this uh, this boneyard, this graveyard, and over and over again, he says, listen, Ezekiel, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to do this, then they'll respond. I am going to do this, then they will respond. Now, some of you guys are here today, and you're thinking you're here because you want to get your life right with God, and hopefully you can do enough. You can do enough gymnastics spiritually that God will somehow find you acceptable, but here's a dope truth of Scripture. That before you have ever felt that urge to walk with God, it was God that was working behind the scenes in you. Romans, uh, really famous scripture in Romans uh, 8.29, is written by a guy named Paul. Paul wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. And Paul has a real way of just describing theological truths in a brilliant way. He says it like this, uh, for, the, for those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Now check this out. In every other scenario in your life, you're going to have to do things in order to earn your way in. But here's what Scripture gives us a picture of God, that God has foreknown you. Before you were a thought in your mother or father's mind, God knew who you were. And those that God foreknew, God has predestined, that God has set up an area, God has set up ways. He, he, he put you in circumstances. He, he arranged um, environments for you to reach out to him. And whenever we did this, he says, and those that he predestined, he, he called. And at best, at best, the only thing you and I have ever done is responded to the call that God has made. And listen, if you get this formula wrong, if you switch it, if you put the cart before the horse, you're going to experience nothing but anxiety and nervousness in your relationship with God because every time you don't feel like you're good enough, you're going to feel like it's slipping out of control. But check this out. If it's not up to you, right, if it's true that Jesus really is the author and the finisher of our faith, then it's his story. His story he's writing with your life. Over and over again in Scripture, uh, we see that it is God, the one that has taken the first step. God is the one that has taken the first step towards us. And, and listen, we can't get that equation wrong. Now, this is why the Bible calls it grace and not wages. Now, this is why the Bible calls it grace and, and not wages. And we've, we've defined grace here at Renaissance as unconditional love given to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. Unconditional love given to an undeserving person uh, given by an unobligated giver. And there's a huge difference between grace and, and wages. Grace is something that you didn't deserve. Wages is something that you worked for. Years ago, um, in the summertime, I was working with one of my friends. And he's Jamaican, so he had like 20 jobs in the summer. Shout out to my Jamaicans. Y'all know y'all got 
a lot of jobs. But his dad would have us doing the craziest stuff in the summertime. And one day he was like, oh, you know, today's a light day. We're just going to go and clear out this rose bed. So we get out there, and I'm like, where are the roses? It was nothing but thorn after thorn after thorn and, like, one rose petal on the ground. Like, it was nothing but just thorns. And all day we worked, we mowed the lawn, and we spent hours and hours on our hands and knees picking at these rose bushes. And even though we had these big gloves, I could just feel those, rose bu uh, those, those thorns piercing through those gloves. And I couldn't even take my gloves off after because the blood in my hand had dried up and made it, like, hard to take the glove off. Now, at the end of that day, when he gave me that $80 or whatever he gave me, I wasn't saying, oh, thank you so much for this $80. Thank you so much. I am so grateful. I snatched out his hand like, man, give me that. All this work I had to do for that joint. The group of people that Jesus continuously confronts in Scripture are not the people that we think that Jesus would confront. He confronts the people that are trying to earn it on their own. They're trying to make their relationship with God about wages and not about grace. Over and over and over again, Jesus strips us of all of the credit that we can take for ourselves and says, listen, God is the one that makes the first step. I will attach these bones. I will give you flesh. I will give you breath. And the only response you and I can have is gratefulness, that God is gracious to somebody like us. And here's, and here's how I know people don't get this, because you're not, great, you're not gracious to other people. I'm not gracious to other people. And here's how I know I don't, when I'm not understanding what grace is, when I'm not receiving grace in my, in my life, I'm not gracious to other people because I feel like I'm doing a great job of my own. You should be doing a great job too. But in those blessed moments where God shows me that it's all a gift, that I am foreknown, predestined, called, and justified, and glorified, not because of what I've done, but because of what he has done, Man, that's when I'm able to be nice to somebody that I don't feel deserves my kindness. Now, not only that, uh, Philippians 1 and 6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God specializes in bringing life where we would least expect it. And even if you can't see your life going in the best direction, even if you don't know where the next step in your life is, that's okay because you're not in control anyway. Even if you can't see how are you going to get from A to B or B to C, that's totally fine. I was talking to somebody the other day about when I first became a Christian, and my biggest, I was like, yo, if I can go to church like twice a month, and if I can stay away from the dice games, then I know that Jesus is real because I know I can't do it on my own. And I, I had such low expectations of myself because I didn't understand who was actually in control, that it wasn't me uh, that was directing this, that it was, it was God. Now, God specializes in bringing life where we'd least expect it. And because God specializes in bringing life where you and I wouldn't expect it, that means that our obedience to what God calls us to do, regardless if it makes sense to us, regardless if it feels right, is never in vain. Uh, read verse 7 and 7 through 10. Uh, verse 7, Ezekiel says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. I'm going to stop there for a quick second. Right, so in verse 1, God asked Ezekiel, Yo, can these bones live? And he's like, Yo, I don't know. And then he says in verse 7, I prophesied as I was commanded. Now, a lot of us, we, we live our life not based on what God is calling us to do, but what we feel is right at the moment. I didn't feel like doing that, so I didn't do it. This doesn't make sense to me, so I'm not going to do it. And we see what Ezekiel gets to experience as a result of him not limiting God to what he can understand or not limiting God to what he can feel. 
He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together. Bone to bone, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath entered into them. Now, a lot of us, uh, myself included, we live in what our emotions are leading us to do versus what God and, and God's truth is calling us to live. In the, the 1960s, there's a story about this. Uh, this is what faith looks like. In the 1960s, there's this tightrope walker, and he would walk across Niagara Falls, and he would get the whole crowd on the sideline hyped, like, yo, who thinks I'm going to walk across Niagara Falls? And everybody's like, yeah, great. And he would walk across. Then he would get a wheelbarrow and say, y'all think I can walk across again? Everybody's like, yeah. He's like, great. Who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And it was crickets, right? Everybody thinks he can do it, but nobody wants to get in the wheelbarrow. Hey, and this is what a relationship with Jesus looks like. It means putting your life in the wheelbarrow. You getting in the wheelbarrow and saying, Jesus, wherever you take me, I believe that you can get me from point A to point B. And even if I don't understand how you're going to get me there, even if I can't feel that uh, everything is feeling perfectly all right, that I'm not going to be led by my emotions or by my feelings or by what I can understand, but I'm going to put the full weight of my life in your hands. Listen, our obedience to God is never in vain. 1 Corinthians 15:58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, Stand firm. Don't let anything move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now check this out. This is where we're going to land for today. This is where we're going to finish up. Our feelings and our emotions are unreliable. What we can understand is unreliable, and I'll prove it to you like this. All you have to do is scroll back five to ten years and look at your hair and fashion choices. You thought you were killing it. Like, couldn't nobody tell you nothing when you stepped out the house? And now you look at it and you cringe at the sight of what you thought was absolutely, unequivocally the best thing that anybody has ever worn. And now you look back and you cringe. But check this out. Listen, our feelings and our emotions are unreliable. And God calls us to be truth-led, not emotion-led. Now, check this out. Yesterday was Suicide Prevention Day. And certainly in, in black communities, mental health is a very taboo topic that we don't want to talk about often. And I was in preparation for today. I talked to my therapist and I talked to a bunch of other people and I read a lot of stuff online, Spe specifically people who made plans to commit suicide and some people who actually attempted to commit suicide and are now alive. And this is what they said in unison. Listen, at that time, I felt like it was completely dark almost like Ezekiel describes, I felt cut off. I felt like there was absolutely no hope whatsoever. But now, they are enjoying their life. There's joy, there was real uh, happiness in their life because they didn't operate based on what their emotions were telling them to do, that, emo that there's no way out. Listen, God specializes in bringing life where it doesn't uh, make sense, where you would not expect it. And listen, if this is where you are right now, if this is where a friend is right now, take it very seriously. But you don't have to end up uh, where you think your emotions are taking you to be. That your obedience, let's check this out. We, we have uh, a counselor with Renaissance um, and uh, a therapist, and she would love nothing more than to talk to you. And if money is an object, 
listen, uh, the rates go from $5 to $50, and if you can't afford the five, I'll give it to you. Um, the best way to get in, enrolled in this therapy is to either email me, Jordan at Renaissance NYC, or to email um, Grace at Renaissance NYC, G-R-A-C-E at Renaissance NYC. Listen, even if you don't feel any hope, let me read the scripture in Ezekiel again. If this is the way you are feeling, it says, you know, um, um, uh, a vast army, some man, these bones of people of Israel. If you feel like you are completely cut off and there is no hope and you are in the middle of just the driest of dry bones in your life, you don't have to end up there. There's hope. There's absolute hope, and I don't want you to leave today feeling embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about uh, or, or ashamed or feeling like there's no hope because there absolutely is. And I would love nothing more for you to email me or Grace at Renaissance NYC or to talk to some people down here in front who will be praying for people after service. They would love to talk to you. We would love to get you enrolled in our counselor. There absolutely is hope, all right? Because that's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that God specializes in bringing life where um, we would never expect it. Now, in Scripture, uh, in Ephesians 2, uh, Paul describes our lives, me and you, like this. He says in Ephesians 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And later in verses 4 and 5, it says, But... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Now, today, right after service, we're going to have a baptism class for anybody and everybody that want to explore what the next step of faith could look like with them and their journey with Jesus. And check this out. If you're reasoning for not coming to a baptism class that you don't understand enough, great. Come on in. God is not calling you to understand before you do anything. This is a perfect place to ask questions and to think about, is this a good next step for me? And even if you feel like your life is, is a complete mess, listen, God specializes in bringing life where we would least expect it. Now, before I pray for us, I want to say one thing that I know whenever we get to messages like this, um, I always feel it and I feel it very deeply that there are people that are in the valley of decision right now uh, with their job, with how they handle their finances, with relationships, with their marriage, and everything out on the outside might be telling you that there's no hope, there's no reason to follow God because uh, you can't see any way forward. And here's what I want to tell you, our obedience to God is never in vain. Our obedience to God, whether or not we can understand it, is never uh, in vain. And to let our, our lives be led by the truth of God in Scripture, not by what we are feeling uh, today because our feelings are a really bad guide for how we should live our lives. So I want to pray for us, but I want you to be thinking about different decisions that you guys have right now or different struggles or different areas or different things that are dry bones in your life. And I want us to commit them to the Lord and ask God to bring life into our situations. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, God, in so many areas of our lives, we need to know that you can bring life where we would not expect it. And Father, I pray that you would bring life into those areas. God, I pray that as we do what you command us to do, as you call us to do certain things, God, that we would see the fruit of um, what we are hoping to see. And even if we don't see it immediately, God, that we would maintain trust in you. We would maintain the full weight of our lives in you. 
that we would trust you and not, and not any specific outcome. God, I pray for boldness for people to make tough decisions. I pray for humility to be able to receive hard truths. I pray that you would lead us, God, in a way of everlasting. Father, so many of our plans, um, as it says in Proverbs, uh, it leads to death. Uh, what we think in our heart, what we think is a good idea, leads to death. But Father, you come so we, have, we can live life and life more abundantly. Father, would you breathe life into our lives? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.